Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. Let's have our Bibles ready in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus taught in parables. And we love those stories. Simple stories about ordinary things which contain life lessons about responding to God. Jesus, of course, wants us to know who God is, what God expects, how we can respond to Him to be blessed. Often, there are several lessons packed into one parable. But still, there's one primary theme or subject that stands out. Here in Matthew chapter 25, I'd like for us to listen to Jesus from verse 14 down through verse 30 in Matthew chapter 25. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So 
Take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Upon first reading this, it is a story about responsibility. These three men had a master and therefore they had responsibility as servants with assignments of responsibility. Wasn't the same... But the master took into account their ability in giving the assignments. So these three had responsibility. That means they were to respond according to their individual ability. These servants were to do the best with what they were given. One was given five talents or portions, and he went to work and turned in ten. One was given two talents or portions, and he went to work and turned in four. The third man was given one talent, and Jesus said he was afraid. And he went and hid his talent in the ground. And at the end of the story, that man is called the worthless servant. I want to talk to you this morning about this parable, from this parable, and I have framed this approach. How to dig your talent out of the dirt. How to dig your talent out of the dirt. And go to work with it. Number one, don't get distracted by comparisons. Verse 15 identifies the three men in terms of the different portions they received and were to use. The first man five, the second man two, the third man one. Each according to his ability. These servants were to do their best with what they were given. It was not any part of their duty to compare what they were given to what others were given. This is one of our common distractions. Instead of doing the best we can with what we have, we get all sidetracked. And we get focused on what others have compared to what we have. And so we observe and we watch and we compare rather than going to work with what we have. It doesn't help us to do all of that comparing. In fact, it hinders us. It can take us into discouragement and distract us from what we need to do with what we have. With good purpose, 
so that when the time of accounting comes, we did what we could with what we were given. So one point that immediately emerges from the parable is, even when you think you are deficient compared to the gifts that others have. God expects you to do the best you can with what you have, because God is the one you're serving. You're not serving somebody out there who does comparative work. You are serving the one who gave you what you had, and to him you will give account. I've been here a long time, so I'm going to tell you a story that perhaps some of you have heard before. I promise it will not do any damage to hear it again. I tell the story about a dynamic young preacher who walked around the audience during a Sunday morning class. And he walked up and down the aisle in the class and he pointed to people very directly and said, What do you do in the kingdom? And what do you do in the kingdom? And what do you do in the kingdom? And he did that all through the class time. And somebody said, well, I conduct Bible classes in my home once a week. And somebody else said, well, I preach and teach when I have opportunity. Somebody else said, I lead singing. Somebody else said, I clean the building. A couple of ladies said they cook meals for shut-ins. And the young preacher had just about finished his interrogation of all these people, but he was overlooking he was overlooking an elderly lady who was up front in her 80s and she raised her hand. And the young preacher saw that and he called on her and he said, Okay, sweet sister, what do you do? She said, I pray for all these other people to do what they can do. She couldn't do what all the other people could do anymore. But she did what she could with what she had. Praying for them to do what they could with what they had. And that's it. And that's in the parable. One lesson we need to learn from the passage and the parable is waste no time comparing what others have and do with what you have and do. Just do what you can to the best of your ability with what you have, knowing that you have a master to whom you will give account someday. That's how we dig our talent out of the ground. Be urgent, verse 15, I'm sorry, 16. He who had the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. At once. Sometimes in Bible reading and Bible study, there are a couple of little words that capture great meaning. 
Actually, every single word the Holy Spirit gave captures great meaning. But sometimes it's not the long, complicated words that you go over to the dictionary to define. It's very simple expressions. At once. Now, what does that convey? Urgency. It's not, well, this is Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. And there's also Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'm going to think about this more. Saturday, I may come up with a plan and make... No, that's not it at all in this parable. At once, there is an urgency here that every one of us ought to have about serving the Lord and helping each other and advancing the Lord's cause and growing spiritually and building up this church. The Bible says, be zealous for good works, not two weeks from today. The Bible says, abounding in the work of the Lord. That's not a plan that you enact in September. There is a sense of urgency all of God's people need to have in doing what they're able to do to the glory of God. I tell you what, the devil wants us to just chill out and wait a while. You'll have plenty of time. Get down into that rut. Find your place in your routine of doing what you've always done. Float along. Instead of being active and zealous for good works today, the master in this parable said to the two <coughs> faithful servants, Well done. And there's another couple of words. Well done. But instead of well done, many who come to a building seem to be saying, All done. I was there. I was there Sunday morning. I was there Sunday night. I was there Wednesday night. Instead of well done... Many who come to a building seem to be saying, all done. Like saying, well, I'm here once in a while. What more do I need to do? Now, what the, what's the tone of that? Well, it sounds like the tone of the one talent man. There can be in us, me and you, over time, and under pressure of temptation in the world, a decline of interest that's almost impossible to detect. An absence of initiative that goes down so slowly you don't detect it. Participation that was here but it goes down and down and down. If we are not sincerely devoted every day in discipline, we can slowly move toward a default of just doing what we've always done. Never taking initiative to do better. 
to grow and participate more. You know, when you get into that gradual decline that's almost impossible to detect, you don't grow that way. People don't grow that way. Churches don't grow that way. The five-talent man went at once. There ought to be in every Christian an urgent and intentional desire to be productive, to be a participant, even if your participation isn't the same as everybody else. The New Testament frequently places emphasis on urgency in responding to God. Romans 13, 11, know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Our Jesus in John 9 and verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no work can be done. Our Romans 12 and verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. All of us need to wake up and get busy and make this work. Dig our talent out of the ground and do the Lord's work here, all of us, and at once. No more procrastination, no comparisons, but urgently doing all we're able to do. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, seeking the lost. This is how we dig our talent out of the dirt. Maybe this is repetitive. Pardon me for that. Focus on what you ought to do. Verse 27, to the one talent man, the master said, you ought to have invested my money. <clears throat> now here again, you've got two words combined. You combine with ought. It's very easy. Very easy to see what others ought to do. Very easy to spend so much time watching and judging others, we've neglected our own duty before God. It could be we spend way too much time watching, evaluating, inspecting the lives and work of others with little or no time in self-examination, self-correction, and investing our time and our ability in sincere and consistent ways. It is easy to see and talk about what others are not doing or how others seem to get more attention or have more to offer. In this parable, the master says, you ought to have invested my money. You should have done what you were able to do to the best of your ability with what you were given. That's response according to ability. And what's that word? Responsibility. 
The word ought has to do with duty, individual responsibility, responding according to our ability, though we are not the same. But we have the same master to whom we will give account. I want you to be opening to 1 Corinthians 12. I'll meet you there in just a second. 1 Corinthians 12. If I have a good, clear, biblical view of God and I know what He expects of me, that creates a sense of obligation. There's that word you combined with the word ought. The first letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth tells us they were not focused on individual responsibility. They had their favorite preachers and their favorite groups and their favorite set of opinions and they actually had their favorite sins. When gifts were distributed by the Holy Spirit for the work of the local church, there was envy and jealousy and pride because the focus was not on individual responsibility, remember? It was on favorite preachers and groups and and favorite opinions and groups of sins they were involved in. They were focused on watching others and teaming up with their favorite people and watching themselves. And it led Paul to use this well-known illustration in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, on down through the next several verses. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, individual responsibility. So intertwined in that body imagery we've read in 1 Corinthians 12. Now what else could Paul say? Just keep reading into chapter 13. Everybody knows what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. Love. So you take individual responsibility and you combine that with his teaching about love. Love for God and love for each other and love for the Word 
and we are digging our talent out of the ground. And we're getting to work with a sense of urgency as we examine ourselves and determine that we're going to do what we ought to do with what we have. Now, don't give up. The man who received one talent just gave up. You know, when you read the parable and you get to the one talent man, you can almost hear his thoughts. Listen carefully as you read and you can hear his tone. And you can almost hear what he might have been saying to himself. I, I don't have what the other servants have. I've been cut short. And the master is so harsh. And I have so little to contribute and so he went away and got a shovel and dug a hole in the ground and buried what he had. No increase, no use. I'll just turn back in what I had. And if you played this video out in your head, you can see this man dejected and discouraged with no joy and no fear and disappointment in his countenance. What a sad sight. When people are given blessings and opportunity to multiply what they have, to rise above the circumstance of mediocrity, to thrive and grow and serve and build up the local church and reach the lost, but they quit. It's just too hard I'll just keep doing what I've always done. I'll show up. I'll write a check. Well, what's going to happen with that tone and that attitude when you stand before the master to give account? I I I'll give you this little pun. The one-talent man's concept of serving his master was groundbreaking. You have to think about it a minute. Folks, life is fragile and fleeting. I mentioned in class time, we ought to live as though Jesus is coming back today. Plan and work and use what you have, knowing that it could be at any moment. The common attitude may be, oh, it's going to be way out there, hundreds of years. We won't be called to give account for a long time. We have plenty of time. But Peter said it's like a thief in the night. So please don't give up. Use what you have. The time on the clock reads now. What can you do? I know we can watch what others have, and we can talk about what others do or don't do. What can I do? What can you do more? Can you send a card for those we pray for? Can you call those who are not here and see how you might help 
Can you start a Bible class with your neighbors? Don't give up. The time on the clock says now. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. So I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Every one of us need to get a shovel and dig our talent back out of the ground and use it. One more thing. One problem with a man who put his talent in the ground was he had a wrong attitude about his master. Some who are slothful just don't have a clear view of who they're dealing with. They think God is mean and He's unconcerned about our fate. And he's harsh and He's unable to use people. Oh, you need to open your Bible up and read about who you're dealing with. A truthful, honest understanding of who God is, who Christ is, the gospel of grace, can greatly motivate and take us to a higher level of productivity in the kingdom. Let's soberly consider what we have been given individually and what we can do with what we've been given now without comparison to others. Let's get to work in the Lord's kingdom. This church can move into the pathway forward together with love for God and love for each other, and this book open, putting our hands to the plow, sowing the seed of the kingdom, and abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's be standing while we sing.